Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. Let's uh, recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you all with us today at Celebration Church. Trust that your service is being meaningful so far at the various campuses. Uh, just give you a little bit of an update. As you know, recently, uh, Deb and I went to France, the French Riviera, to speak at the uh, Cannes Film Festival with all the hoity-toity directors and actors and whatever. We're all there. And uh, um, it was... Uh, it was an exciting time. Uh, so many people were encouraging us and praying for us. And I did see some posts on my Facebook, you know, we're really praying that God will use you as you preach the gospel over there. And I thought, you know, I don't think people know what I do. <laughs> so uh, just to kind of clarify, let me tell you what I do. First and foremost, I am the pastor of this church. Uh, it's my responsibility to make sure this church is run in a way that uh, honors God, helps to build people's faith, and reaches out to as many people as possible. And the way we do church and everything else that we do, along with these wonderful men that serve with me, uh, that's my number one focus. And here to preach the gospel, to teach the Bible, to tell people about truth, and do it in a way uh, that's in love, not just mean, but, <laughs> but to love people. And, uh, and, and tell them the truth so that we can all live successful lives as Christians, okay? The second thing that I do is I travel around the world doing these marriage seminars. My goal there is to just help couples succeed in their marriages. Uh, my goal is not to preach the gospel at that point. Uh, my goal is to help marriages. Now, doing so, uh, I try to live, I don't ever, I never hide who I am. But uh, if, if anything, I, I let people know who I am. Uh, and then don't preach at them. <laughs> and just be nice. And uh, it's amazing how many people have been affected by that. I've gotten many, 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 many testimonials of people who said they came, listened to me talk, uh, were surprised that I wasn't shoving the Bible down their throat, but they liked the way I talked, and it was down to earth and real. And as a result, they started going to church, and they gave their life to Jesus, and now they're serving God today. I even had one letter from a guy who said, I, I heard what you had to say, and I hated your guts and, and I wanted to kill you, right? That was the guy who wanted, he wanted to kill me. And uh, that's a little disconcerting. <laughs> Get an email like that. And I was so angry. You said, ah, I started looking. Why would anyone say these things? And I started listening to you. And I started challenging my thinking. I started reading the Bible. And I came to faith in Christ. And I got saved. So, which is better than him killing me. So, uh, so all kinds of stuff. I want to affect the kingdom of God as much as I can. But uh, my main emphasis at that point is just to go and to help people 
keep their marriages together, primarily in the Christian community, but I'm willing to help any, everybody and anybody. Then the third and final thing that I do is I speak for corporations. Uh, and the reason why companies have me come in is, you know, corporations, a little slow, but they've started to figure out that divorce costs them a lot of money. I mean, stop and think how productive you're going to be over the next year and a half if you're going through a divorce. I mean, it really is a big impact negatively on uh, productivity, especially their key employees and stuff like that. So very big companies pay guys like me to come in and speak to them about relationships. I've done stuff for Hilton Hotels, uh, Burger King, uh, AIG Investments, uh, and this Cannes Film Festival thing. So they do all these hoity-toity things for really big companies. And my goal there is the money, all right? The only reason I do it is for the money. I'm not really trying, <laughs> I'm not motivated to preach to it. It's just to make the money. Now, if you think that's really horrible, let me ask you what you're doing when you go to work. <laughs> all right, we all do this. It's just that, you know, people are shocked to hear a preacher. But I don't do it very often. I'd like to do it more. <laughs> you know, once a week would be awesome by me, man. Because they paid like crazy drunken money, monkey money, you know. So... So, uh, so that's what I do on the corporate thing. So the can thing fell in that corporate genre where they were having this big dinner and they wanted a speaker and they wanted someone who was funny and entertaining and still could give some insightful information to people. So they, they brought us over there. Now, it, uh, the event itself was quite abysmal. It was awful. It really was. Uh, I uh, was originally told it would be 20, 25 minutes. When I got there, they said it would be 15 minutes, and by the time they introduced me, it was five minutes. Which, thank God, because it was horrible. It was horrible. They introduced me, the guy, the owner of uh, Grisogono Jewelry, which is the big yo mama hoity-toity of all these actors and actresses. Uh, you know, as the models were walking around, they had bodyguards behind them in case anybody would try and steal the jewelry. Like, seriously? Don't you check who you invite into this place? <laughs> if I invite you into my house, I'm not going to have somebody walk around, make sure you don't take something important, <laughs> you know? Or maybe it was just part of that added to the hoity-toitiness of it. I don't know. It was all nuts. But anyway, uh, he gets up and introduces me. He's going to speak to you about the brains of the woman and the man. And da -da -da -da. So I got up and I started talking and everybody else kept talking. The entire time. I mean... And it, that and two other times, he pleaded for the audience to be quiet so they could listen to me, but they wouldn't do it. Uh, the way the room was set was very bizarre, but I don't know if it's because, you know, who's this guy? You know, some people get pretty arrogant. You know, if you're not a somebody, I don't have to listen to you. So literally, I could hardly hear myself talk. It was, that's my wife, it was brutal. It was the good news, it was five minutes. You know? Now they, you know, so I finally said, okay, that's it, see you, thank you very much. And I got off the stage, I'm like, ooh, that was weird. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> there's a lesson on all this. I'm going somewhere, okay? <laughs> now, they, they, they paid a lot of money to bring my little face over there, okay? It was cool. It was a great trip, right? They sent us a first class to France. Like the tickets alone were 20 grand, all right? And then they put us in, what was it, 1,000 bucks a night in a hotel? I'm in a nice hotel, no, Motel 6. 
The food was amazing. We had a blast. That was great. And then they pay you a bunch of money, you know. So I did the math. For five minutes, I was basically earning $160 a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just above minimum wage. So, uh, you know, now, say, well, it's a lot of, yeah, once a year I get a gig like that, you know, helps me pay the bills. But, uh, uh, but anyway, it's nuts. So just for five minutes of me going, then nobody listened to me and I got off. So uh, the cool part about it was all the pro press that we got ahead of time. You know, the TV interviews, and did you see the big newspaper splash? You know, big page, in demand, two pages about me. And I was interviewed by some national uh, publication, and that went all across the country. So the run-up to it, and, and the fact that I can not put that on my resume is kind of a big yo mama deal, you know, right? The event itself sucked, okay? <laughs> what is the lesson? The lesson is this. Enjoy the journey, okay? Just enjoy the journey. Don't get so myopic and so focused on the one thing. I gotta have that one thing. I gotta have that one thing. And then you don't get that one thing, then you're miserable. And you just wasted your time. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. The event itself was horrible. Five minutes of, oh my God, I want to die. <laughs> right? But the rest of it was a blast. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy life. Don't get so focused on stuff. You know, that road you're going down, listen, that road you're on, it might be a dead end. Right? Anybody ever go down a dead end before? In life, in your career, all kinds of stuff. You get down there and it's not what you thought it was going to be. What, you get mad and depressed and kill yourself? For heaven's sakes, no! You just enjoy the journey. Smell the roses. Look at the view. Love your family and your friends. Love God. Serve and help people. You get to the end and the bridge is out. Bridge is out. Turn around. Take another road. That bright, shiny light you see at the end of the tunnel might very well be another train. All right? Now, now until you get there, you don't know that, right? It's like, look, we're getting closer. Oh, it closes. Ah! And you jump out of the way. All right? Now, I don't know about you. I've had a few of those experiences in my life where I thought this is going to be good, and it was really bad. How do I keep from getting depressed? It's not about that. It's about the journey. It's about the ride. It's about enjoying life. Enjoy life. Don't get so caught up in all this. Don't live in the world of I'd rather be. Oh, I just wish I lived there. Oh, if I just had a better house. Oh, if I didn't have such a stupid husband. And Only if I was good looking as the pastor. You know, all these things that everybody wishes they had. Stop. Enjoy what you have. The Bible says contentment. Everybody say contentment. Contentment with godliness is great gain. It's of great value. Enjoy what you have. Say, Pastor, I don't have much. Then you ought to really enjoy it. <laughs> That's all you got, Jack. Enjoy what you got. You got a lot. It's hard to decide what to enjoy. And you got three things? Pick one. It's easy. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy your life. Okay? Enjoy the journey. Build a life. Say, Pastor, we're young. We're married. We got nothing. Enjoy it. Seriously, we were like that. We got married. We were so poor, we had to look up to see how the poor people lived. Don't worry, honey, someday we'll be poor. Or enjoying the ride. Enjoy the journey. Love God. Enjoy life. That's why I even share with you about this whole Hollywood thing, which, by the way, is still, I thought before I left, 
Sony had finally made a decision. I get to France. I got an email. They have made a decision. I was like, oh, for heaven's sakes. Now, there's a lot of people. First of all, I've heard so many rumors that we're already packed and ready to move to Hollywood. Listen to me. Escúchame. Okay? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to live with those crazy people, for heaven's sakes. get this gig okay and there's a lot I promise you there's lots of people who would never share what was going on behind the scenes do you know why they don't want to be embarrassed if it doesn't happen right but I'm too old to be embarrassed (laughs) ask my children I've been embarrassing them for years you know why do I share I want you to be on the journey with me I want you to oh this happened oh that happened we just giggle we think it's cool who knows what'll happen it might be a train coming from the other direction. What do you do? You jump out of the way. Let it go by and you continue the journey. So enjoy, enjoy your life, okay? Now, uh, one other thing real quickly. Uh, I had mentioned to uh, the Green Bay campuses, but not to uh, Appleton and Stevens Point because it didn't really affect you. But when I was there uh, recently at the volunteer thing, I shared with it, people got a kick out of it, so... I'll tell you all about it uh, so that you can kind of enjoy it with us, even though it won't happen in your city. But in the city of Green Bay, the city has been assaulted for the last month or two with these really insulting billboards. Uh, And we decided we're going to come up with our own different billboard campaign uh, and a different website to counter it. So it's all done. And uh, all over the city of Green Bay are going to be these billboards. We're really excited about it. And it's going to send them to our website. I want you to see the video that they will see when they visit that website. Hi, I'm Mark Gunger, pastor of Celebration Church here in Green Bay. Recently, some people put up billboards around the city that uh, gave a less than encouraging message. Uh, Three basic lines. The first line said, go to hell complete with fiery graphics for the hell, in case people were unaware of what hell stood for. Now, this is not exactly the most encouraging thing to tell people. I mean, quite frankly, that phrase is reserved for people with whom we want to insult. Someone really ticks you off, you get really mad, you tell them to go to hell. So it's not exactly the nicest thing to be screaming at people as they're driving around the city of Green Bay. Uh, The second line uh, started yelling at people for sinning, They need to stop sinning, which would be a much nicer world if people would stop doing things that are harmful and hurtful. But the reality is we are all sinners and everybody makes mistakes. And then the third line encouraged people to go to their website, a rather oddly titled site entitled OneSorryBastard.com. Again, not the most uh, lovely of phrases to use. And certainly something you don't want to have your kids reading on the way to school. So we were thinking about it. I said, you know, we should do our own billboards. So we decided to do something that just gave a positive message. Our billboard says, go to heaven, complete with clouds for the heaven. To say something a little bit more positive than telling people to go to hell. And given the choice, I think most people would prefer heaven over hell. Our second phrase Rather than yelling at people for sinning, we just remind everybody that God forgives people of their sins. It's the fundamental Christian message that through Jesus Christ we can have forgiveness of our sins. And then finally, instead of telling people to go to a site entitled 
one sorry bastard, we decided to go with one happy pastor. So that's why you're at this site right now. If you'd like to learn more about uh, myself, you can click the button below. I'll take you to a site explaining more about who I am and what this happy pastor is up to. And if you'd like to learn more about Celebration Church here in Green Bay, we would love for you to come visit and see what we're all about. You can also click a button below. Anyway, thank you for listening to this short message and have a fabulous day. <laughs> that's going to be so funny. So, so anyway, that's going up and, uh, and you'll be seeing those. Are, the site is up and running now if you want to go check it out when you get home. One happy pastor. <laughs> All right, now we are to the end of our series on the Apostles' Creed. This is lesson eight of eight lessons, going through the creed and breaking down and looking closely at the fundamental things that we as Christians believe. Uh, we are to the phrase now, it says, where we believe in the resurrection of the body. Now, as a review, let me go over this again with you. Uh, human beings are made in the image of God. God is three, but yet one. We also are three, but one. If you haven't thought about it, you have a body, you have a soul, which is your mind, intellect, emotions, and you have a spirit. You are three parts, but yet you are one. It is what makes you, you, okay? So as made in the image of God, that's the way that we are. Now, because of sin, when Adam and Eve turn their back on God and rebel against him, it brought sin into the world. As a result, mankind died spiritually, and everybody since then, including all of you listening to me, are born into the world, stillborn, spiritually speaking. Spiritually, you're dead, okay? You're alive physically, your intellect is firing, <laughs> for most of us, <laughs> but your spirit is dead as a doornail. It is the one thing that everybody can sense. Something is wrong. Something's not right. Something is wrong. It is the thing that drives the human experience. Fundamentally, it is the thing that makes people act the way that they act. They're trying to fix this. What is this? Something's not right. They think, well, gee, if I have enough money, it'll fix this, but it doesn't fix it. If I can just get more things, it'll fix it, but it doesn't fix it. People think, well, I can just do enough drugs or drink enough booze and party. Woo, that'll fix it, but it doesn't fix it. They think, oh, if I could just get into a better relationship, oh, that'll fix it, but it doesn't. It is the very thing that even drives humans everywhere to turn to religion. At least they have enough sense to realize it is a spiritual problem. But in their desperate attempts to try to reach out God, they fail because they're not following the truth. The truth is, the only way you can fix this is to be what Jesus called born again. When you come to God and you make a personal decision, I am turning my life to God. I want to know God. And you ask God to forgive you of your sins and you ask him to come into your life. The Bible says Jesus breathes the breath of life, essentially, into you. And you're born again. That's the thing that makes you feel complete. Every Christian who's ever been truly born again will tell you it's a big deal to them. Now, it doesn't mean that they're always, you know, hearing sounds and, you know, 
clowns and stuff dancing in circuses or anything else. You know, some people it's rather dramatic. Some people it's small, but they know something changed. It is the thing that we celebrate when we come to church. When you've been in the service so far today, people singing and clapping and all the different things that we do. What do we do? We are celebrating this thing. Oh my gosh, I'm alive. It feels fabulous. It's fixed. We don't walk around going, something's wrong. We go along going, this is awesome. Life is great. There's peace. There's joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Something that many in the world have no idea what we're experiencing. They don't understand it. They think there's got to be something else to it. I cannot tell you the number of times I have been asked by total strangers, am I high? (laughs) What have you been drinking and stuff like that? Why? Because normal people don't sit sit there and just smile and be content. But we're not normal. Hallelujah. We've been changed. We've been born again. Now, many churches have taught, quite frankly, falsely, that you get born again when you're baptized. No, you're not. Or that once you're confirmed, then they're just wrong. I'm sorry. They're wrong. And the truth of it is the proof that those of you who have done those things, you know there's something still wrong. You can be baptized, you can be confirmed, you can be sprinkled, doused, whatever. But it doesn't change this. You need to come to God on your own. Doesn't matter what your parents did, doesn't matter what anybody else told you to do. You need to come to God on your own, turn your life to him, and let him breathe his life into you. It's called the conversion experience. It's called being born again. It's a very powerful thing. It's what makes us who we are. Now, body, soul, spirit. What happens when you die? Now, when you die, your body dies, but your spirit, your soul, continue on. Uh, Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 8, talking about death and stuff. He said, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body. Talking about, he was talking about, Jesus, I better to live or die. He said, man, I'd rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. That's a powerful thing. It's a fabulous thing because now you have the life of God and, and, and you're just enjoying God and you're not dealing with the, the body anymore. But even then, and, and by the way, people who have this experience or close to it will tell you, and the stories are all rather stunningly similar. People who have near-death experiences, talking about how they started, right, they, where they were conscious, they were leaving their body, they looked down, they could see their body, they saw and heard things that they described later that stuns everyone. How could they possibly know this? They come up with their theories, well, you're still, your subconscious is hearing it. Yeah, but you can't see it. And they describe things, and they have all their explanations and try to explain it away, but the reality is, is spiritually, they're still alive. You see, you never really die. Your body will die, but you never stop. And their spirits go. And some people have dramatic stories that are actually in the presence of God for a short amount of time until they're, you know, they kick their hearts going again, they come back in, and... Uh, there's a great movie what was the lady uh, lately uh, about the kid who went to heaven is for real great movie really really good you ought to check it out they say the book's even better but uh, uh, it's a fabulous but it's not unique I've read other books so they describe virtually the exact same thing all of them it's really rather amazing and uh, you know there's still life so now when you die your body dies but now we go to be with God and by every description it's quite a glorious experience it is however still incomplete you're just a spirit you don't have a physical body you still look well people talk about how they can recognize people and stuff yeah apparently you still look the same you still have the same look but it's not 
it's ghost-like. It's not, it's not the real thing. Uh, you're not complete yet. Again, a wonderful experience. But the Bible says that someday, everyone, their bodies will be raised now back to life. Renewed life. Even though we went to dust. The Bible said, uh, because Adam and Eve had sinned, that death would come into the world. And actually, it was the first truly great compassionate thing that God did for mankind. Making it possible for us to die. A lot of people don't like, oh, why did we die? God, why did God kill me? Why did God let this happen? Just relax. Look, God didn't do that. We do these things. You step in front of a bus, you're going to die. Are you hearing me? Why did God have it? Well, then God. You step out of an airplane when it's still in the air, you're going to die. Unless you have a parachute. <laughs> Hope you did that right. Okay, there's all kinds of people get sick. There's all kinds of, God didn't do these things. What God allowed from the very beginning, the first thing we read about when Adam and Eve sinned, God, one of the first things he did is said, we've got to get him out of the Garden of Eden. Because if they eat of the tree of life, they will become eternal beings. Now stop and think about that. God had an opportunity to let mankind become an eternal being. There would have been no pain. There would have been no suffering. There would have been no death. But the most compassionate thing he did is to get us out of that garden before that happened. Why? It kept us mortal and made us fixable. Have you ever thought about it? Do you think God loves people more than he loves angels? I don't think so. Why didn't Jesus die for Satan? Why didn't Jesus die on the cross for angels? Because they're not redeemable. They are eternal beings that cannot change. By God insisting mankind quickly get out of the garden and not become eternal beings, which was the original plan. It left us mortal, but it left us fixable. God can fix this. Thank you, Jesus. So death, yeah, it's a drag, but you're all going to die. We're all going to die. It's just a matter of when and how. Personally, I hope the when is a long way off. And I hope the how is really short. I want the sneeze version of death. You know, wake up in heaven. You know, none of this. I don't want the ah version. Yeah, there I'm out of here. That's what I'm hoping for. But however it comes and whenever it comes, I want to be ready. Praise God. All right. So we're going to check out of here. We're all going to die. It is not God hating people when we die. It was his compassion to leave us mortal. It, as a result, there's great suffering. But of course, we brought this on because of our sin. But it left us mortal. We can feel pain, we suffer, we decay, all the stuff, we die. And this body will turn to dust. But on that final day, the Bible says resurrection will take place. This is when it all comes to an end. And all of our bodies will now come back to life, but now will be changed. It'll be different. There'll be eternal bodies. The good news is you'll probably be at your physical best in life, which is good for many of us. That boat has passed. <laughs> we get to reset the meter, you know. I just hope I don't have the same hair. <laughs> I don't want that for eternity. Ah! The afro from hell. But, uh, but we'll all be physically alive. See, the way you are right now is the way you're supposed to be. You know, we're not going to just be floating around on clouds as spirits for eternity. Ah! I'm sure it's great. Surely beats the alternative. But the way you are, that was God's plan from the beginning. 
We will all be physical creatures, but they will now be eternally physical. And it'll be different. We'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, in a flash, boom, just like that. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Hallelujah. And then we get to live eternity with Christ. And people go, well, how, how can God do that? How, 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 how can he make things come back to life? He's God. That's what he does. You know, sometimes people say, you know, well, the more you learn about science, the less you believe in God. Contraire. The more you learn about science, the more you're convinced about the truths of the Bible and of God. You know, when we were growing up, how could God unscramble what piece of dust was from another piece of dust? Of course, today we know a thing called DNA. The smallest flake of you is marked. It's quite amazing. They can take a hair from you, you be dead for a hundred years and they can trace your DNA. It's all locked in there. God knows exactly what piece of dust belongs to who. <laughs> so cool. And of course, we talk about judgment day. You know, someday everything you've ever done is going to be looked at. Well, how's that possible? How can God record everything? Of course, now we know about computers. They record everything. Everywhere you go, every move you make, all can be recorded. I can get the entire Bible, every word, in many different translations and different languages. And I'll fit them on my phone. And have room for lots of other apps as well. God, trust me, he's got some kicking computers, Jack. The more you learn about science and what's possible, the more you begin to realize, oh, of course it's all possible. All of this is possible. It's quite fascinating. You know, there's, a, there's an account in the book of Revelation, the last book when it's prophesying about the end. They made this prophecy. He wrote this 2,000 years ago where he says that an event's going to happen and he says this, John writes this, every people, tribe, language, and nation will see what happens. Now, 2,000 years ago, that's impossible. How could that happen? Even when I was a kid, that was, that's not possible. Because now we've got Fox News, CNN, all these 24-hour cable things, and the whole world watches events as they happen all the time. Now stop and think how crazy he must have felt writing those words. How can everybody in the world watch something as it happens? I'm sure for centuries people mocked parts of the Bible. Ah, that's stupid. That's not even possible. Today, of course it's possible. Of course it's possible. So, we believe in the resurrection of the body, and finally, we believe in the life everlasting. We read about this at the end of Revelation. The very guy that I just read to you who talked about people being able to see everything all over the world at once at the same time wrote the following words. At the very end, he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. There won't be any more pain. Hallelujah. For the old order of things 
has passed away. And now we begin to live forever. As physical beings with spirits and souls. Only now we get to do it without hate, without sin, without destructiveness, without poison, without pain, suffering, and dying. No more crying. There's no crying in heaven. It's like the scene from that movie, what was it called? There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> There's no crying in heaven. Won't need to cry. It's going to be fabulous. We believe in the life everlasting, which is why you should not put all the eggs of your little basket in one basket. Don't focus on this life. If your entire focus is of this life, you're making a terrible mistake. If you don't think about eternity a lot, there's something wrong with you. Listen to me. This life that you're living right now is nothing. It is, you're going to struggle to even remember that we were here. In terms of eternity, this existence is nothing. It's immeasurably small. Don't put all your effort into this life, focusing on what I get and what you don't get, and give me mine and get away from me, and I got to make lots of money, and all your focus on retirement and how you're going to retire, and your IRAs and your Ross and everything else. Seriously? Now, I get we have to deal with these things. I understand that. We all have to deal with it, but man, that is not my focus in life. If your focus in life is what the money you got and the house you got and the car you drive and how much you have in the bank and how well you're going to retire, you are to be pitied. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we know this is just temporary. All of it's temporary. You got to deal with it. I get it. But it's not my focus. We should be thinking about heaven a lot. That's why we give money. That's why we give of our time. I don't want to get that money. I could get another ABT TV with that money. I'm sure you could. But it's not going to last. As with all these hoity-toity hotshots and all these supermodels walking around. Man, these chicks are tall. Talk about Amazon women. <laughs> really? We're talking like 6'5". They were like, I was in the land of the giants. I'm a little pushing. Oh, look at I mean, and skinny. Good Lord. They all look like Auschwitz survivors. I don't get it. And there's nothing attractive to, to that to me. You know, in the really heavy, dark makeup, like, like somebody punched me in the eye before they came out. Like, oh, what is this? But were there all these supermodels strutting their stuff? And, and they, they were all going around this car. Now, this car is the fastest car in the world. Fastest production car in the world. You can buy this thing if you have the extra cash. Uh, the thing goes like from zero to 100 in like two seconds. It's insane. It is a massive piece. It is the perfection of human engineering. And everybody's like... <laughs> I'm thinking, it's all going to burn, Jack. <laughs> it's all going to burn. None of this lasts. It's all going to rust. Eventually, it's going to fall apart. Don't get caught up. Now, if you want to buy me that car, that'd be great. I'll take it. But, <laughs> you know, we can enjoy things, but we don't focus things. It's not what our life is built on. It's not about this. It's about eternity. 
That's why we give money. Why? Because we're laying up treasures in heaven. You could keep all that. You could keep every dime in your wallet right now. Every penny in your bank account this morning, you can hang out of mine. My, my, my precious, my precious. I love my precious. You can do that. But why would you hang on to something that's so temporary? You can't take it with you. There's never been a hearse in the world with a U-Haul behind it. You can't take it with you, man. When you go, you go. Better to invest some into the next life. Jesus said, call it laying up treasures in heaven. That's why we volunteer. Well, I got things to do. I got my own time. I got my own problems. Yeah, we all do. That's why you should volunteer. That's why you should be inconvenienced. Why? So you can help someone else. It's called laying up treasures in heaven. It's about preparing for the next life. Why do we do this? Because we think a lot about the next life. If you don't think a lot about the next life, there's something wrong with you. Because one thing is certain, you will die. And eternity will be an extremely long time. We believe in life everlasting. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your kindness. We thank you, Lord, that you did die for us, that we could be redeemed, that we could be born again. Anybody listening to me right now, Lord, that has never had this experience, I pray that you would give them the gift of faith. Open up their hearts and their minds to understand how they can experience God and be truly complete today. We thank you for your grace, your mercies. Help us, Lord, to enjoy the life that we have, to enjoy the journey, not to get so myopic and focus on one little thing or the other. And sometimes things turn out, sometimes they don't. But Lord, help us to enjoy all that you've given us. And above all, Lord, help us not to be consumed about this life, but to prepare for the life everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a great day.